What's up, everyone, and welcome into episode 180 of Press. Jeez. That's right. 180. Joshua Perry joining me, of course, as he does every week, dedicating some time to this podcast where we just talk a lot of college football. And then sometimes we'll get on our soapboxes, which you know what? We have every right to do, right? Yes, we do. You're damn right. That's why we have the platform. Exactly. Well, hey, we started all off again on a Tuesday when the college football playoff rankings come out and there definitely was some movement like we all expected. So this week's top teams, uh, Georgia moving up to that number one spot after that big win against uh, formerly ranked number one, Tennessee, Ohio State, your Buckeyes still in that two spot, followed by Michigan, who moves up to the top three. And TCU, I think a lot of people questioning if they would move to that four spot at 9-0. and They did just that. Tennessee is at the uh, five spot. Sorry, I think I said that uh, they went up to the four spot. Tennessee at five, Oregon at six. And LSU, after beating Alabama, moves up to seven. Your initial thoughts? I think they generally got it right. Um, I think there's probably a larger conversation to be had about Alabama and what they are this year because they've got the two losses, which we haven't seen in a while, but they had the other two near losses. But you can also couch that as they were really four plays away from being undefeated. Um, And I think when you lose the two, it's more indicative of what you are than, you know, the two almost uh, games that you won. Mm -hmm. But, um, You know, the reason I'm saying that is because Alabama is going to be used on somebody's resume as a quality win. It's not to say that it's not quality, right? I mean, it's still a good football team, but it's to say that we can't make it more than what it is. Um, I look at the Ohio State-Michigan 2-3 thing, and we're going to sit here and talk about it. That's something that gets sorted out by the end of the year. Right. But there is a legitimate argument that you can put Michigan right now ahead of Ohio State. Michigan seems like it's clicking on all cylinders, really hitting its stride. Did it struggle with Rutgers for a half? Yes, they were on the road against a team that was looking to pull an upset. And then they go out and scores 38 to nothing in the second half. They win the game by 35 points. Um, you know, it's a team to me that seems like it's consistently building, whereas Ohio State, you can look two weeks in a row. And I, I mean, you can draw the narratives however you want. Penn State, you can look at the middle two quarters and say that's what Ohio State is. Or you can look at uh, the first quarter where Ohio mm-hmm. State's up 10 to nothing, and then the fourth quarter where Ohio State gives you 28 points, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you like about this team. Um, you can look at the game against Northwestern, and you can say the weather affects both teams, which I agree with. I also yeah. think that the weather affected one team more than the other, um, and they still end up winning that game um, by a couple touchdowns. Ohio State's won every game this year uh, by a double-digit margin. Nobody else in college football uh, can say that. So – There is a legitimate conversation about what we think that these teams are at their top end. And I think that's why Ohio State gets the nod, because we know that when they're clicking, they're way more explosive. They can put up more points. Their defense can be more chaotic. But you can also look at Michigan and say, okay, if they're playing like they're if they're playing a game that is just an okay game for them, it's probably a little bit more of a controlled game than when Ohio State has some chaos going its way. but outside of that, I mean, you know, you start to look in the, the back of the rankings. Um, 
Washington gets in there, it's going to be somebody's resume from the Pac-12. Um, the Florida State one becomes really interesting because that's one of uh, LSU's losses. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do think Florida State deserves to be ranked at this point in the year. Um, Notre Dame being at 20 is huge for Ohio State because now they have a top 20 win and another one that is a top 15 win in the Penn State victory. Um, so if those two can hold up their end of the bargain toward the end of the year, Ohio State's resume starts shaping up. If it can beat Michigan and then it beats uh, Illinois in a Big Ten championship, in theory, not only do you have an undefeated conference champ, but you have a team that would have wins over Penn State, who by the end of the year could creep in to the top 10. I mean, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Clemson. Uh, Ole Miss could probably go out there and, and have a stinker. UCLA is going to play USC. One of those gets sorted out. Um, Utah and Oregon face off. Like the path clears up ahead of them. And similar for Notre Dame, I mean, we could be talking about them by the end of the year is somewhere in that 15, 17, 18 range. Um, looks good for the Bucks. So as you start to evaluate this thing, this is one of the weeks where I am not going to get upset because I think the committee actually did his job correctly. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about this season because there has been a lot of shuffling, you know, not necessarily at the very top, but um, just in terms of the top 25 teams coming in and out and back in and back out. And and it ju- it does kind of shift your resume because at one point it might not look as good and then you have a team that gets back in the top 25 and it looks better. It's just, it's been very fluid this year. Um, I want to ask you specifically about TCU. And I think that, you know, me being down here in Tennessee Vols country, there was talk about possibly while they knew TSU was probably going to get in that four spot with that undefeated record, uh, record, maybe not getting as much love last week. Tennessee fans still believe that they possibly have a better resume um, in head-to-head, would take care of a team like TSU. TSU playing some really close games this year, um, have been kind of teetering on the line of maybe you know, losing a couple of these games. What are your thoughts with TCU being in that four spot? And can Tennessee still make its way into the uh, college football playoff at this point if they take care of business? All right, so Tennessee, who are their biggest wins? So you've got LSU, which they whooped um, at the time. Uh, You've got Alabama. uh, That was the home game for them. You have what is not ranked now but at the time was ranked Florida. Uh, and then Pittsburgh was at yeah. the beginning of the year who's not in the rankings anymore. Right. So uh, Florida, who I don't think is a very good football team, you beat them by five points. Uh, Pitt, you beat by a touchdown, had to go into overtime to do so. I don't think they're a very good team. That was an absolute uh, drubbing of LSU. So full credit there. Um, You play Alabama at home. You win on a field goal. There were multiple opportunities for Alabama to win that game. Again, going back to that conversation about what actually is Alabama. Um, So, okay, like I understand the the wins on their resume and why they would say that. And they lost to the best team in college football. Um, Would also like to say that game was not close. That game certainly was worse than what the score indicates. And my personal thoughts on that is if the rain didn't come late in that game, Tennessee 
uh, might have gotten three more touchdowns put up on them with the ball going over their head against this Georgia team that had whatever they wanted deep in the first half of that football game. So I think those are all important points to make. Um, as we start to evaluate this uh, TCU team, Oklahoma State, that was an overtime victory. Kansas State, you know, they beat them by 10. They're coming from behind in all these games. I watched um, a, a good portion of their game against West Virginia. It was uninspiring. Um, there's a legit argument that the resume for Tennessee is better than the resume um, for TCU. I, I, I'm not going to argue that. I also think that winning is extremely important and they might not have the top end of wins, but I also think that the Big 12 is a deep conference in the middle to where there's not an easy out in that conference. And mm -hmm. there's a lot to be said about that fact, um, because as much as you got to beat LSU and you got to beat Alabama, um, Kentucky, to me, was always overhyped this year. Um, you got Missouri that's still on your schedule. South Carolina still on your schedule. Vanderbilt still on your schedule. Like those are some easy outs to me. Um, those games haven't been played, obviously, but just kind of painting the picture here about the, the resume aspect of it. Um, right. To answer your final question, there's a path. You're a one loss team. You're going to be sitting on the outside looking in on um, on the SEC championship game like. 100% something's going to happen with probably TCU. Like I'll acquiesce to that. They could lose. And <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan. This weekend. Yes. And Ohio State, Michigan sort themselves out. Like Tennessee sitting at five is a perfect spot to be. Um, so I wouldn't be entirely too worried if I were them. I think the thing that's worrisome is you got ran off the damn field and it wasn't close. You got physically, physically dominated. Um, you also got outskilled too. So that is mm – -hmm. Like both of them, like I look at Ohio State, Michigan last year, Ohio State got physically dominated. I don't believe they got outskilled in that game. I think Ohio mm -hmm. State's skill played well. Um, I think that they could not handle the physicality. Um, this is a game where physically they were dominated and their skill mm -hmm. was outskilled by the skill of Georgia. That's that's a bad combo. And, and it leaves you with a lot of questions to answer if you think you're going to get into the top four. So I'm going to shift a little bit now. I want to talk about Alabama. And, you know, this week, Paul Feinbaum, after the game, sometime kind of alluded to the fact that there's definitely cracks in Alabama's armor at this point. Nick Saban, he thinks, has done the worst coaching job in his years at Alabama this year so far. Just a, a lot of comments made from a guy in Paul Feinbaum who's been, in my opinion, a very big Alabama cheerleader, although he is a Tennessee alum. Um, very honest about his thoughts on the program and maybe a little bit of a decline this year. Look, I don't like Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. He was a, a shit show at you know Houston. Uh, he seems to be not doing the greatest job at Alabama. Do, do you see this being kind of um, a decline of the program that, that might not ever get back to being as once was so dominant Alabama? Yeah, I, there, there are some questions they're going to have to answer. I think the Bill O'Brien experiment at offensive coordinator is certainly not working. 
Yeah. Um, I also think that they they severely lack the skill that they've had in the past at the wide receiver position. And yeah. that has really hurt Bryce Young because, I mean, their best receiver is Jameer Gibbs, who's their damn running back. Sure. Um, if it weren't for those two players, I, I don't know where this this squad would be at that point. So they got to answer that question. Um, certainly this hasn't looked like the Alabama defenses that we're used to. But regardless of who the D.C. is, Nick Saban is heavily involved yes. um, in the defense. So that's more on Nick than anything else. Um, what the, the biggest issue to me is this. Tennessee balling. Georgia's balling. Yep. LSU's balling right now. Mm-hmm. Old Miss balling right now. Um, you got to cut the pies a lot of different ways down there. Um, sure. And that is where it's going to be tough because when you're winning national titles, uh, I mean, the recruiting does itself. When you're dealing with a two or potentially three loss team, mm-hmm. now what does the recruiting say? Um, this is not doomsday by any means, but I think it is a wake up call that there are some things in that program that are going to have to be adapted yeah. um, in order for this thing to really work the way it's supposed to work. I do think this is the most flustered that we have seen a head coach in Nick Saban since he joined that Alabama program, mm-hmm. uh, because there, there's definitely signs of it, that there is um, a little bit of non-cohesiveness going on. When we have always seen them being a team-orientated group, this seems to be a little bit more of individuals out for themselves this year. Again, one of the best players on offense and Bryce Young, Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball, and yet still not able to get um, – everything done this season and have pretty much put themselves out of the college football playoff talk. Okay, Joshua, coming up this weekend in terms of the schedule, last weekend, eh, not not the greatest slate of games. I feel like we always have a couple here and there. Um, I know that your Buckeyes are going up in an early game against Indiana, so that that should be a game where they take care of business. And and how important do you feel like, Joshua, after playing that type of a game where they kept it close um, with Northwestern last week, is it for them to come out and kind of lay the law down on the Hoosiers? Um, Very important. And I think style points matter at this point. I'm eating pretzels right now, so I got my mouth. Oh, you've got – I love – first of all, (laughs) I'm a big pretzel person. I actually like mine with, like, peanut butter, but – I'm just scarfing them down. you, You do your thing. We do whatever um, so, we want on this podcast, Joshua. We do. That's that is the beauty of being in charge. <laughs> um, but style points are going to matter for Ohio State, so yeah. they're going to need to um, come with their A game. I also think just for the mentality of the players within that program, because this is the thing that sucks about playing at a place like Ohio State, and it's the same thing that Alabama's probably going through right. It's, I mean, it's worse for Alabama right now, mm-hmm. um, but like. Fans get real negative real quick. And for Ohio State, the wild part is they're negative because they're not winning good enough. Like they're they're right. mad that Ohio State's not winning by enough points or it doesn't they might win by enough points, but didn't look as pretty as they wanted them to. Yeah. And it's it's a ridiculous spot to be in. Um, so I think a dominant performance, you just put these guys to sleep early on, does a lot to quell some of that conversation about the, you know, maybe hiccups, if you want to call them that, uh, that Ohio State has. I think it's also important because there are legitimate things that they need to work on. And if we go another week seeing Ohio State struggle in the run game, for example, mm-hmm. um, 
that's that's going to continue to be a problem. It's going to continue to be talked about as it should. Okay, some other matchups that I'm looking at this, this weekend, and we had briefly mentioned this when bringing up the Horn Frogs, but I think that TCU against Texas, number four against number 18, that's going to be a really good one. That's at Texas. Um, you know, this has been, for the most part, an, an up-and-down season for them, but I feel like they're gaining a little bit of momentum right now, mm-hmm. Joshua, which that's not going to help them in terms of the college football playoff this year. But I feel like the program under Sark is kind of headed in, in a better direction. We've been talking about the disaster that is Texas for the past two years now. Yep, yep. And uh, I think I, I really do think Sark has done a great job. And, and we yeah. have we've been real negative about Texas. Um, we have and past. rightfully so. Yes. And they deserved it. But I, I think they're really turning a corner. Um, Quinn Ewers is still a young quarterback, but when he's clicking, he is sensational. Yeah. Um, and I, I truly do mean that. So that is a big game. Um, TCU is going to be tested. They're on the road for that one, right? Yes, they are. They're in Austin. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be tough and there's no other way around it. That is going to be a tough football game for TCU. And I think for Texas to, um, I don't want to be dramatic and say for Texas to say they're back, but Mm -hmm. um, for them to really have a win to hang their hat on, like you're going up against the number four team in the country. And this is a legitimate game that you can win. Like um, this would be huge. And and Sark can parlay this in, in many ways. Biggest one being recruiting. Like, yeah. yeah, this is, I mean, that's where you want to be. And let's go to the Pac-12. Look, I've been the, the Pac-12's toughest critic, hands down. I'm not apologetic about it at all. And when credit is due, I'm going to give it. And it's a, it's a much better conference this year. You know, I think the teams are stronger. I think the coaching is better. There's actually storylines that we're still talking about in terms of, you know, teams that could, could possibly make a case for getting in. And one of those teams is Oregon. And look, I hate the Ducks. I absolutely despise the Ducks. I'm a coog. I can't stand them. They're arrogant, pompous, whatever words you want to use. But they're playing some really good football right now. Um, this is the sixth team right now in the college football playoff rankings. And a lot of it has to do with a guy that completely, you know, started off his college career pathetic. It, it is from the South. He's a legacy player at Auburn. He was absolutely awful at Auburn. And I think sometime players need to just get out of the South, especially, and find themselves in a different place. And the Pacific Northwest is a great place to do that because people don't give a shit and they don't judge. And so I think Bo Nix has come on and impressed so many people. And if you don't know what he's doing, you might want to look up his stats because this guy is balling on all levels. 22 touchdowns to five interceptions this uh, year. I think last year he had a rushing touchdown, or last week, a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. The week before, three rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. How impressed have you been with Mr. Nix? Yeah, it's been uh, extremely impressive. I'm with you in the fact that sometimes you just need to go somewhere else. Right? Like, it's just sometimes it's what you need to do. Um, and it's really worked out for him. What I think is really important to point out about um, his journey, I believe he's reunited with his offensive coordinator from his first year at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we remember what his emergence onto the scene was like. Like, dude bursts yeah. onto the scene. And we're talking about this dude's all world. And 
not to say that the son bitch is all world, but I mean, he is. He's really freaking good. He is yeah. really, really good. So um, I think that combination really matters for him. Yep. And they will be taking on Washington, who has also kind of showed their strengths and weaknesses at this point. Uh, we'll see how that one all shakes out. And then, of course, you've got Alabama and Old Miss. And nothing ever tops the reuniting of the odd couple in Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban. I think Lane this week said he calls it like goat juice in terms of you never want to give fuel to Saban because he'll use it. And he was blaming Feinbaum because he said you gave him too much fuel. He was pissed at Feinbaum. That's <laughs> hilarious. Right? The fact that that guy's going to be pissed at Feinbaum. Yeah, exactly. And he came out and talked about it at his presser. It was great. Like That's the one thing about the SEC that I enjoy down here. These people, they all rip on each other and they just, it, they're fine with saying it, but it's just it the amount of traction it gets and it gets people stirred up. It, I just sit back and watch the show and I just laugh. So, Yeah. Um, Feinbaum has really, what he has created is... Um, Wild, I think, would probably be the word. Yeah. Like, that. that is, I mean, it's explosive. It's lightning in a bottle, really. And the, <laughs> the callers are the real comedy on that show. Oh, they for sure are. And just some of the things that they do and they allow them to do. I'm mm-hmm. just like, this is, and I've been, I have been actually watch or listening to Feinbaum, I should say, now watching it since my first days in Montgomery, Alabama, when he was not on ESPN. He was the the main attraction in Alabama. Um, he was, you know, that radio guy that was most listened to. And then obviously he busted into the world that is now ESPN and, and SEC network. But, uh, you know, Paul's been around for a long time doing this for a long time. Um, now, obviously on the national stage and, and we all sometimes experience the, the antics on that show, but never a dull moment. Uh, yo, JP, I appreciate it. Where can the, Listeners go to follow you on the social media platform. Uh, you can follow me at RIP underscore JEP on Twitter and Instagram. Also at not Josh Perry on the TikTok. And you can follow me at Kayla Anderson on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to think because you had just before we go, you had just tweeted out something uh, the other day that we might have to get into, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and, and, and figure it out. But, um, as always go follow him. Cause he always starts conversations. He's not afraid yeah. to get petty either. No, folks. I'm a startle. He's just not go follow him on the, uh, rally on Bally as well. Every weekday. He's the best. Okay. Joshua, have a great weekend to all you out there. Good luck to your teams. <laughs>